It's our WWE Elimination Chamber 2020 review show on the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. The show has admittedly been in a bit of a delay as uh, our normal recording day that we switched to not that long ago, Tuesdays, has since changed. And so I am here on a Saturday, so it's almost a week after the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view has happened. So uh, we here at the Double Turn Podcast sincerely apologize for it coming out so late. Massive scheduling conflicts, mostly on my end, full disclosure, I started my new hours at my job, in which now I have to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, Sunday through Thursday, to make sure I'm here at my job by 4 o'clock in the morning. So with that being said, with our old recording time, it's just not going to work out. So we've been talking a little bit about what we're going to do going forward with this show. Uh, We do realize that uh, we think we put out a pretty good product, and we have at least a section of the audience that wants us to keep doing this. We essentially have to find time to do it, and our show will inherently change a little bit because of that. Um, So just full disclosure, because of my job, um, this is episode 99. Episode 100, which we had planned out almost six weeks ago, is still going to happen We have not determined when that is going to happen, but episode 100 is going to happen. Um, And then, of course, with all the rest of the stuff, which I'm really not going to get into on this podcast when it comes to the COVID-19 coronavirus, who knows? We we could all be quarantined in the next week. Who knows? So uh, scheduling-wise, we're just going to have to roll with the punches on this one since, well, seemingly everything is getting shut down. Sports-wise, we still don't know about WrestleMania. We know that uh, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT were all moved to the Performance Center uh, to cut down on travel. They also did SmackDown without fans. That was a bit bizarre as well, even though they did NXT with fans. So I assume that Raw is going to happen without fans as well. Um, And, of course, it'll be uh, essential staff, quote-unquote, that will be uh, running those shows, Um, which... You never know. We don't know how uh, widespread this is going to get or how fast it's going to get, so you never know. I may be at uh, my job here. I work at a radio station in Phoenix, Arizona. I may be at my radio job as essential personnel for that being. So I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just saying that that's what's going on with uh, life in general. And then, of course, my schedule, as I said, my new schedule is 4 a.m. to 12. So the recording times are going to have to be different. So This is the Elimination Chamber 2020 review show. Let me get to our socials here. Double Turn Podcast on Instagram, one and only JMan19, Ross the Real Boss 85. Those are all our Instagram handles. Then you can also find this show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Castbox, the Anchor app, and there's always one I miss. So there you go. 
So, like I said, we've been on a little bit of a delay. We uh, we reached out on our Instagram page and told all of you guys that listened to us that our show on Tuesday was not going to drop on Wednesday this week as I was going to be recording the show solo because of more scheduling conflicts which happened, which, again, is nobody's fault. It's just how it turned out. So I am recording episode 99. Uh, if memory serves me correctly, I believe that Jorge and I both did pretty well. I know we both picked Andrade to retain. We both picked Miz and Morrison to retain. We both picked Alistair. We both, I believe the only match we missed was the Intercontinental title match, which was weird anyway. So, and then there were matches added later, so those don't count against us either. So I believe he is still up by five, ladies and gentlemen. He was up 24 to 19 going into this pay-per-view. And if memory serves me correctly, there were six matches going into the pay-per-view. So if we both went five for six, he is now up 29 to 24. As I said before, we are going to have a special episode 100. We were supposed to have guests. We are still planning on having guests. But at the same time, that's going to be kind of a fluid situation because I don't know what we're going to be mandated to be doing. I don't know if it's just going to be Jorge and I. I don't know if we're going to have our guests. I don't know if we're going to be delayed for a couple of weeks. I really don't know. So keeping my personal feelings aside from all of this, um, this is episode 99, and I wanted to make sure that we had the review show for the pay-per-view that happened almost a week ago in the can, and then, of course, it's WrestleMania season, so my plan is to still have an NXT Tampa, a WrestleMania preview and prediction show, and then also at some point have a review show of both of those. So the plan was to do episode 100 and then do those shows afterwards and then continue forward with a brand new schedule after my work schedule changed. But because I don't know what's going to happen in 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours, etc., um, it's all going to be kind of fluid. So we have a plan for episode 100. We really want to go through with it, but at the same time, it's WrestleMania. We don't know if they're going to cancel it, move it. We don't really know. Uh, as everybody knows, the NBA was shut down, or I should say suspended. Uh, the NHL was suspended. Major League Baseball was suspended. Spring training was canceled. The NCAA tournaments were canceled. Um, we're now up to all flights from Europe, including the UK and Ireland. It was without them for a while. Now that is included. There's already no flights coming in from China. There's already schools closing down. There's already just a lot of things closing down. People are working from home. People are freaking out buying toilet paper. Again, I I don't want to go into it. I'm, I'm just simply telling you this show, I, Jorge and I love doing this show, okay? When he finally convinced me to start doing this, like I got super into it. I got plans for it. I still have plans for it. I really want this show to grow. And for those of you that listen out there, we really appreciate it. And please, like, share. We've got some cool ideas for Instagram during this time period. I think what we're going to do is, uh, now that i figured out IGTV, I think Jorge and I are going to give, uh, give you guys uh, reviews of stuff from Raw, NXT, SmackDown, maybe some Impact, which, by the way, I'll talk about Impact at the end of this because there's some interesting things going on with that as well your moment of impact that I rarely get to do on this show. Not because I'm told not to or not because we don't have time for it. It's just a matter of we have so much other things to do, it just gets lost. So, 
Elimination Chamber 2020. I know it was a week ago, but here's your review for it. Coming to you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the Wells Fargo Center, always a lively crowd in the city of brotherly love. Almost 15,000 people were there getting forward to, oh my gosh, the show was sponsored by the movie Jumanji. That's hilarious. The uh, the poster was uh, the women's match, the women's chamber match, which ended up main eventing the show, which uh, I was okay with, but I know how it turned out was a bit perplexing, but I'll get into my opinion of that. I thought this was a show, which most elimination chambers are just shows. I realized that the greatest six-man tag team match maybe of all time happened at Elimination Chamber, that being the Shield versus the Wyatts at Elimination Chamber 2014, I believe. Jorge can correct me if I get it wrong. But um, And by the way, there have been some great Elimination Chamber matches over the year. I just, the problem with this event is it's between your two biggest pay-per-views. It's between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. Now, well, Roz, SummerSlam is their second biggest event. Yes, I understand that that's what they think is their second biggest event. But as far as I'm concerned, it's WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble. SummerSlam is right there, and those are their big three, but you're really trying to shoehorn in Elimination Chamber in the middle of all of that, so that's what you get. Now, as per usual with WWE these days, especially ever since they've moved uh, SmackDowns to Friday, they don't have a full card going into the go-home show of SmackDown, which means that Jorge and I have had to do incomplete pay-per-view preview shows because SmackDown has this really bad habit of adding, like, two matches to the show before the pay-per-view. So... If we decide that we can actually do some of these pay-per-view preview shows on Saturdays, we should have a full card unless they add it day of, which nobody can predict. So there's that too. There was a pre-show match. It was the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar, versus Jorge's favorite tag team of all time, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. If you missed it on the pre-show, you didn't miss much. It was a five-minute squash match. The Viking Raiders won I moved on with my life. The opener of this show, I had to I had to rewatch it again because it has been about a week. And I will tell you that had I known that this was going to be a match like when we did our show, which was a week from this past Tuesday, I would have told you I would have been absolutely geeked for Daniel Bryan versus Drew Gulak. As many of you know, I love Drew Gulak. He was basically the best character on 205 Live for the better part of a year. I understand the whole Buddy Murphy thing happened. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Murphy thing happened. There was also, um, well, there were a lot of guys that went through 205 Live. Um, the guy known as Pac in AEW uh, went through there. There was some guy, Enzo, that now raps. There was Austin Aries. Look, there there was a lot of talent that went through there. Okay, Umberto Carrillo, loved on 205 Live. But Drew Gulak was arguably the best character on 205 Live. In fact, he may have been one of the only characters on 205 Live. Mustafa Ali was also in that group, but he's been on the main roster now since forever. That I really, well, it's not that I don't remember it. It's just he's been on the main roster for a while. Uh, 
wrestling-wise, in a technical wrestling match, this was the best match on the show. Uh, which shouldn't surprise you because it's Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak. If you've never watched a Drew Gulak match, go back to the Cruiserweight Classic. He was excellent in the Cruiserweight Classic. And uh, just go back and watch uh, almost any of his matches from, from, from 205 Live. Or the night where he won the uh, where he won the cruiserweight title, I believe that was at one of my favorite uh, pay per views last year, Stomping Grounds from Tacoma, Washington. What an event that was! Uh, so, as a wrestling match, Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak was magnifico, so to speak. Uh, Drew Drew Gulak lost by technical submission to Daniel Bryan. It was given roughly fourteen minutes. Good match. Again, if you're looking for the best technical wrestling match on this card, this is the one, and it was the opener. So a good way to open the show. Daniel Bryan keeps his momentum going to whatever they're going to have him do at WrestleMania. Then we had our first title match of the night. Andrade defending his United States title versus Umberto Carrillo. The way they are booking this feud... I really think they're going to go the route of turning Andrade babyface and turning Umberto Carrillo heel. I don't know why I think that, but Umberto's really not catching a whole lot of breaks in this feud or with uh, Garza. And it's going to make me believe that he's going to go heel. And he may even wear a mask heel because he's kind of got that suave look and because he's not the greatest at talking right now I would not be surprised if they turn him heel and put him in a mask that would be interesting I mean I enjoy Umberto Carrillo I think Umberto Carrillo babyface could work but that's clearly not the direction they're going this match was only given 12 minutes I can't really praise it for that much these guys have wrestled several times before it was a kind of rinse and repeat version of every match that they've had. Not really blow away, not really fantastic, but at the same time, these two do work well together. They do have good chemistry. And uh, maybe switching up the feud down the road when you make Umberto Carrillo stronger because Andrade's on the verge of being a main event level talent if he just tweaks a few different things. And we're there. So Andrade... Uh, defeats Umberto Carrillo and retains his WWE United States Championship. We had our first chamber match for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. It was Miz and Morrison defending their titles against The New Day, The Usos, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, and Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. So the story going into this match, so the story going into this match was... Otis and Ziggler, because Otis was supposed to have a date with Mandy Rose, and apparently Otis was, quote-unquote, late. And so Mandy Rose just had dinner with Dolph Ziggler instead. So there was a uh, miscommunication. Otis's heart is broken, and Mandy Rose did the uh, typical heel thing and uh, went for the better-looking guy instead of the better personality. <laughs> Such is life. That being said... That was the storyline they told. And so why these two didn't figure into the finish, I have no idea. By the way, Usos and New Day started. This I was okay with because if you were going to have two teams start, I was perfectly fine 
with the two teams that over a year ago I would have told you could have feuded until the end of time. I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of it because they've got to build their tag team division more than just those two teams. You cannot have a tag team division where there's two teams and that's it. You just can't do it. And I understand the tag team wrestling in this company is never going to be a priority as long as Vince is in charge. Once Vince isn't in charge, perhaps tag team wrestling will have a chance. But for the time being, Vince goes with one or two teams on each brand, and that's what he goes with. I understand it. I don't like it, and I move on with my life. So the Usos and the New Day started. Lucha House Party was third, and then Heavy Machinery was, I'm sorry, let me back up. Usos and New Day were first and second. Lucha House Party was third. Miz and Morrison were fourth. Heavy Machinery was fifth. Ziggler and Rude came in last because they won the match on SmackDown that said they were going to break last. So there you go. We did not have an elimination until 17 minutes into this match when Heavy Machinery eliminated Lucha House Party. Not bad. Again, when you have to start thinning out the herd early, that's, you know, I mean, look, we've had chambers where, you know, people have been eliminated, which, I mean, we'll get to one, where people get eliminated early and then there's less people in there. But you also don't want 12 guys in there at once for very long. It just gets crowded. 12 guys in one ring gets crowded anyway. Then you add in the fact you have metal and chambers and it just, there's just a lot. It's hard for the camera. It's hard for everybody else to watch. It's just a cluster. So when you have that, that's what you have to do. So I thought Heavy Machinery had a very good match. Um, and I really thought they were given a nice little spotlight until they were eliminated. Like, legitimately, they were in fifth. They got to run rough shot over everyone. Lucha House Party was eliminated, and then Ziggler and Rude just eliminated them. Just flat out eliminated them. So the story must go on. Now, mind you, if Ziggler and Rude would have won the titles at this at, at this event, that sets up an interesting WrestleMania feud in which Heavy Machinery can win a qualifying match or something to get in there, and then you have the built-in feud. But oh no, oh no. No more than a minute and a half later, Ziggler and Rude were just eliminated by the Usos after the New Day also hit all of their finishers as well. So, the best story you have out of all the six teams... You eliminated them second and third. Now, I understand Lucha House Party was the sixth team. They were in there to do some high-flying spots. They did not need to last. Okay. But no. We had to have the Usos and the New Day in the final three. I'm fine with Miz and Morrison making it this far. I do think there is something to chamber matches, if you plan it out right, of the champions being eliminated pretty early, because then that builds excitement for the rest of the matchup. We're going to have new champions. 
Sounds pretty good to me, right? But Miz and Morrison, for most of the last seven minutes of the match, just took care of business because the Usos and the New Day were spent. They had been in the ring for 27 minutes because they started. So Miz and Morrison won because the other two teams ran out of gas. That's a great story. Now, Miz and Morrison retained the SmackDown Tag Team titles. I will say this, okay? I will say this. All 12 of these men are good workers. Most of these men are decent talkers. So, as a match, it was fine. But, again, as per usual, the booking... Pretty suspect. You could have easily had Lucha House Party out first, New Day out second, Usos out third, then have Ziggler and Rude, right? Ziggler and Rude dominate the last seven or eight minutes of the match, win the titles, Heavy Machinery gets in a qualifying match, maybe beating Miz and Morrison, right? And then... They go for the titles at WrestleMania. There's your story. Built in. Then, I'm even okay if you want to screw out heavy machinery at WrestleMania because Mandy Rose gets involved. I'm even okay with that storyline. I know that's a bit contrived, but I'm okay with that storyline. And then you wait till the next pay-per-view to have heavy machinery get their win. Great. I don't even care. But, I mean, 33 minutes is a long time. You waited until 17 minutes in the match to eliminate somebody. So I'm under the presumption, let's see, the first two teams, did they go five minutes? So there's five teams after that. So five, seven, nine, 11, I'm sorry. Five is the first two. So seven would be three, nine would be four, 11 would be five. Yeah, 13. So, all I'm saying is there are ways to do this better. I feel like they just said, let's have a chamber match. Let's make it the tag teams. Let's just throw it together and Miz and Morrison are retaining. I really think that's what happened. They said, Lucha House Party will be eliminated first, and then we'll take the best storyline out next, and then we'll keep in the six best workers instead of just letting heavy machinery have a good spotlight moment, letting Ziggler and Rude have a good spotlight moment. Heck, I'm even fine if you wanted to have the champions screw their way into a win and you make it a triple threat at WrestleMania. I'd be fine with that too. And then you can have Ziggler and Rude with heavy machinery. Either way, because one of those two teams wins and the other one chases. Probably have the baby faces chase because that's the only way they know how to book. Not that you'd have heels chase, but I'm saying the heels could be like, ooh, we got screwed out of the win. It was a triple threat. We didn't even get pinned. We'll just get our match now. I'm just saying. Nobody cares about Ms. Morrison. Cool. They're back together after nine years of not tagging. Great. Ms. Morrison retain their SmackDown tag team championships Alistair Black and AJ Styles trapped in the middle of this card 
Now, this was a no disqualification match. AJ coming off the fact that, uh, well, he got attacked by The Undertaker. So his mind is not on Aleister Black. So he's had his cronies help beat up Aleister Black, who's been on a massive roll. So, yeah, let's just make it a no disqualification match and have Aleister Black just beat up three guys. That'll make sense, which is pretty much what they did here. Now, you have the babyface overcome the odds. That's a good storyline. You have two guys that are exceptional workers, Aleister Black and AJ Styles. Checks another box. Gallows and Anderson, perfect cronies for AJ Styles. Checks another box. And the match was given 23 minutes. Checks another botch. I just, I just, I just mixed match and box and got botch. The ultimate botch. Gotta love it. Again, did I think this was a great match? No. Was it a bad match? Of course not. I don't think these two are capable of having a bad match. But there's a reason why it's just in the middle of this card. There just is. So, for those of you that want a ton of analysis, AJ's going on to face Undertaker at WrestleMania. I have no idea what Aleister Black's going to do next. There are some avenues they can go. I still think that Aleister Black versus The Fiend would make a ton of sense. And by the way, they could still do that. But The Fiend just lost his title, and now he's facing John Cena. So is Aleister Black on the WrestleMania card? Is he in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal? Is he going to face Gronk at WrestleMania? I don't know these things. I do know that he won this match. It was a really good win for him. It also tells the story that AJ's mind was not really on that match. He was focusing on The Undertaker because of what happened in Saudi Arabia. All I'm saying is AJ does the right thing, right? Does the job. Alistair stays strong. And by the way, it doesn't hurt AJ because he's going into a he's going into a match with a legend. And hopefully it's really good. I have my doubts. But why should I doubt it? It's Undertaker and AJ Styles. It's probably going to be really good. So, Aleister Black wins. The match probably went a little too long given what it was going to be. But that's what it is. So, Aleister Black wins. The Street Profits defending their Raw Tag Team titles against Seth Rollins and Murphy. Yes, he's no longer Buddy Murphy. We all have to live with it. So Rollins and Murphy won the tag team titles. Then they lost them, and this is their rematch. Never mind the fact that they have a tag team in their stable called the Authors of Pain. This was easy. This was easy. Okay? Rollins gets back the world title Murphy gets the mid-card belt and AOP get the tag belts I don't even care if you only have them hold it for a month when you have a group the group's gotta hold gold otherwise I don't care and by the way yes I'm still upset that we have tag teams that are two singles wrestlers winning tag team titles
Let's take a look here. Wrestling champion lists. That's not the list I wanted to do. Is it this one? I think so. Here we go. I'm looking up a website right now. So, this is old. <laughs> like half these people don't have their belts anymore. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to be cool. I really was, but it's not going to let me. Anyway, most of the tag team champions out there are two singles guys as a team. Most of them. Not happy about it. So, as much as I don't think the Street Profits should be the Raw Tag Team Champions, at least they're a team. This is another match that probably went too long. But it's a tag team match, so, and I know this is going to sound weird, but a tag team match going a little too long and a singles match going a little too long, I forgive the tag team match more because instead of two people in a match, there's four. And you're allowed to have it go longer as long as it's good. So I've said this on several occasions. Uh, Montez Ford will probably be a very successful single star eventually. I do not think Angelo Dawkins will be. Now, I know this is going to be very high praise for Montez Ford, but I'm going to make this comparison. If anything, Montez Ford will be the Booker T of this team. Angelo Dawkins will be the Stevie Ray. Which would be a hell of a compliment because... Harlem Heat may be the best WCW tag team of all time, which I do not think Ford and Dawkins are when it comes to WWE now, in the last year, in the last five years. In fact, I've said on numerous occasions, private party from All Elite Wrestling, better and they're more over. Yeah, you got the song and the cups. And remember, Team Bad, if you listen to Team Bad's theme with Naomi, Sasha Banks, and uh, what's-her-face, Tamina. It's the same song beat. I can never take them seriously. Not with that music. However, they did win a tag team title match against Rollins and Murphy. Easily the best win of their careers. Because it's Seth Rollins, and he's one of their main eventers. That's why I say that. Because, you know, he's a main eventer, but none of the rest of them are. The Street Profits win. At this point, I was waiting for Braun Strowman to kill three men and Shayna Baszler to win the chamber match. Then we had easily the weirdest decision of the night. A three-on-one handicap match for the Intercontinental title. Braun Strowman defending his Intercontinental title against the triumvirate of Sami Zayn, former Intercontinental Champion Shinsuke Nakamura, and Cesaro. Now, of course, the rules are Strowman can pin any of the three men to win, and any of the three men can pin Strowman, and they win. Simple. Braun Strowman finally gets a singles title. The Intercontinental title. I was thrilled. I was like, all these months of me saying, push Braun Strowman immediately. They came true. Would you like to know how many days Braun Strowman held the title? 
Never mind the fact that Shinsuke Nakamura, who did absolutely nothing with it, held it for 201 days. Since July of last year, until until Braun won the title on a SmackDown at the end of January. I'll even do you one better. Shinsuke Nakamura was the longest reigning intercontinental champion since Cody Rhodes in 2011. Disgusting. Yes, let me repeat that. Shinsuke Nakamura held the title for 201 days. The last person to hold the belt longer than that was Cody Rhodes in 2011 when he held the gold for 234 days. I'm just letting you let that sink in. By the way, also, all of the Miz's reigns did not last that long. The longest one was 188. That was back in 2016. Then he held it for uh, 48. Then he held it for 169. And then 75. By the way, the Miz has held the Intercontinental title 592 days in eight reigns. I guarantee you he will win the Intercontinental title again to pass Pedro Morales, who held it for 617 days. Guarantee he's going to break that. Which means he'll win the title, he'll hold it for a month, he'll drop it, and he'll never win it again. That's what they'll do. The entire point of this is Braun Strowman has held the title since... January 31st of 2020, he lost the match. He lost. Sami Zayn is your new intercontinental champion. Why? Why? What has Braun Strowman done to make him look like a complete jackass? I don't know. There's all the rumors backstage. Maybe they're more true than I thought they were. Disgusted. The Intercontinental title has literally been playing patty cake for the better part of five, no, nine years Unbelievable. I'm not asking for a guy to hold the Intercontinental title for a year. I'm not asking that. I'm asking for a guy that you're clearly wanting to push at a certain level to hold the belt for more than a freaking month. Now, I am biased. I'm very biased. I love Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman needs to be a world champion in 2020. He needed to be a champion this year. He needs to be a world champion in the near future. 
I am so glad we're going to get Drew McIntyre as a world champion in WWE in the year 2020. I am absolutely thrilled about that. That is, of course, if they decide to actually book him to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, if the event ever happens. The match went eight and a half minutes. It was a squash match. Braun Strowman was squashed by three men. And Sami Zayn's your Intercontinental Champion. And no one cares. I don't get it. I don't. Main event time. Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship match versus Becky Lynch at WrestleMania 36. The combatants were Shayna Baszler, Natalia, Liv Morgan, Asuka, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. Now, mind you, I did pitch the idea that Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, and Ruby Riot need to be in a triple threat match, and it probably should have happened at this pay-per-view. And we should have had Shayna Baszler and Asuka in a number one contenders match to face Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. That's what should have happened. And Natalia could have either been in a pre-show match against somebody or not on this card. No offense to her, but for me, I would have booked the Riot Squad triple threat and then Shayna versus Asuka in a one-on-one match for the number one contendership. And then you could have had an intercontinental title match be the chamber match with Strowman and Cesaro and Nakamura and Sami Zayn and then throw in, I don't know, Ziggler and Rude. Why not? And then you can put in some other random tag team. You could have put in Hawkins and Ryder or the Viking Raiders into the uh, tag team title match. Who cares? They could have done anything. But they decided to do a chamber match. Now, I think everybody knew Shayna was probably going to win this and that Asuka was probably going to be the last one in, or I should say the last woman eliminated in this match, which is what happened, by the way. But I will tell you, this match was exactly what it needed to be. So Natty and Ruby started. Good to see Ruby back. Good to have her start the match with the most technically gifted wrestler in the match. I love Shayna, but Natalia on a technical side is still slightly better, especially since she's essentially still training people at the Performance Center as well. There's a reason for that. I love Shayna. Technically, she's awesome. Asuka is phenomenal. But Natty starting this match made perfect sense. So Natty and Ruby started. Sarah Logan was third. Shayna was fourth. I would have had the moment of uh, Liv Morgan coming in fourth. That way you have the three Riot Squad members who decide to all like triple team Natalia, and then they're like, oh, crap, we all hate each other, and then fight each other. Then you have Shayna Baszler come out and start eliminating people. In fact, here's what happened. So Natty and Ruby started. Then Sarah Logan came out. Then Shayna came out. 
Shayna eliminated Sarah Logan, Ruby Riot, and Natalia in less than two minutes apiece. All with not or all with submissions. So by the time Liv Morgan got in, it was Liv Morgan and Shayna Baszler one on one for not very long, actually. And then she eliminated Liv Morgan, and we had our showdown: Oscar versus Shayna. And I got excited, and I said, "Oh, so these two are going to have the match that I wanted them to have." They're going to have a really good match. And then it wasn't anything special. But Shayna got the elimination. She got all five eliminations. The match lasted 21 minutes. It was fast. It was concise. It told the story it wanted to tell. It was probably the best thing on this show. Now, again, I prefaced before. Technical wrestling match, Gulak and Brian was the best match on the show. Alistair and AJ was a good match. The chamber match had a lot of good guys in it, but the booking was just weak. And the rest of the show was there. And that's what happens at an event like this. Because everybody's looking forward to WrestleMania. It's not that no one cares about this show, but no one cares about this show. So as a whole, we didn't really need the pre-show match. Or you could have given us another one just to kill time. And then Brian and Gulak could have been given a little more time than 15 minutes. Andrade and Umberto could have been given 15 minutes. The first chamber match could have gone somewhere between 25 and 30. Aleister Black and AJ Styles could have gone 20. Street Profits and Rollins and Murphy probably should have gone 15. If you were going to do an eight and a half minute match, I would have had Braun Strowman just kill all three guys. But then I realized, well, he just killed all three guys. What are you going to do with them? You weren't doing anything with them anyway. And the Shayna match was exactly what it needed to be. So, as a whole, this pay-per-view was eh. I liked Brian and Gulak. I liked the main event for exactly what it needed to be. The other chamber match was fine. The rest of the show, eh. So, now as of right now, because everything else is on hiatus, the only thing that is right now planned for TakeOver Tampa is the ladder match for the number one contendership for the NXT women's title because Rhea Ripley is facing Charlotte at WrestleMania, which is where that match needs to be. So right now it's Chelsea Green, Mia Yim, and Tegan Knox in that match. Um, let's see here. So it was Chelsea Green beating Shotzi Blackheart, Mia Yim beating to go to Kai, Tegan Knox beating Deanna Perrazzo. So next week, I think Candice LeRae and Mercedes Martinez is a match. And I don't know from there. Maybe Bianca gets back in the match. I don't know. That's the only thing that's planned so far for uh, Tampa. And then WrestleMania 30, you've got Ripley versus Flair for the NXT Women's title. Brock and Drew for the WWE title. Becky and Shayna for the Raw Women's title. Goldberg and Roman for the Universal title. And uh, Cena versus The Fiend. Bray Wyatt, those are the five matches planned. 
I have to believe uh, AJ and Taker will also be on that card as well. And I have to believe, well, there's going to be the uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which will probably be a schlock match too, but that's how they always are because it doesn't matter what they do. But that is your review for Elimination Chamber 2020. As I said, I believe Jorge and I did fairly well in the predictions department heading into WrestleMania. I have not been able to gain any ground, so... That's where we're at. That's Look, that's what happens when uh, I have a couple bad shows in a row, and Jorge's been at the top of his game when it comes to predictions this time around, so more power to him uh, going forward. So before I end this show, I do want to talk one little bit about what's going on in Impact Wrestling. The best of five series between Michael Elgin and Eddie Edwards to determine the number one contender for Tessa Blanchard's world championship is, uh, well, it was under dispute because, well, Elgin had Edwards in a submission lock. Edwards rolled out of it. Elgin's shoulders were to the mat. One, two, Eddie Edwards taps out three at the same time. So, I believe we're doing a triple threat match. At their next pay-per-view, which I believe is hard to kill. What is this, a Bond movie? No, that was January 12th. I'm, I apologize. It's some other weird name, though. Let's see, 2020. Uh, there's got to be another event coming up. Why is the only event they have scheduled in Tampa? I know there's another. All right, I'm going to look this up now. Full disclosure, still using the internet here. Thank goodness that hasn't shut down yet. Elgin Edwards Blanchard. Gotta love this on the fly looking up here. Oh, here we go. Rebellion, that's the name. Here we go. Tessa Blanchard challenges Eddie Edwards and Michael Elgin to a title match at Impact Rebellion. That is the 19th of April. That is in a month. So it is not at the event in Tampa. It is the event after it. So we have a month to build this up before that happens. Also, and I realized it happened a while ago, we did have the first all-female world title match involving a men's world title. Because Tessa Blanchard was challenged by Taya Valkyrie, who is the knockouts champion. She challenged Tessa for her championship. So that was interesting for sure. Uh, but that appears to be the plan. Um, that would be a way to have Tessa Blanchard lose the title without getting pinned. Which, think of that whatever you will. But in case you guys haven't checked out Impact, I know everybody's checked out WWE and AEW, as they should, because they're both good shows. Impact still got some really good things going. Plus, you know, they actually have a tag team as their tag team champions, the North. I know. My standards are still too high sometimes. What can I say? So, again, just a little quick review. Uh, this is episode 99 of the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast in which we were going to do this review show, which I just completed. Episode 100, 
Well, it's going to be a special show. We're supposed to have guests, but due to the fact and the unknown nature of what's going on in the world, we're going to figure out how to piece everything together. We also will have a new schedule, which we once we determine it, we'll of course let you know. We're going to keep you guys abreast of what's going on on Instagram as well. So the Double Turn Podcast, one and only J-Man 19, Ross the Real Boss 85. We're going to do some cool things with those shows. My new schedule Unfortunately, is not conducive to watching wrestling live, so a lot of my reactions will be the day after a lot of times, uh, so I realize that those are going to be late, but that is my new schedule. That is my new reality uh, for the foreseeable future, um, so I love doing the show with the J-Man. I've loved doing it. This is not the end. Uh, it just means that there are changes coming. We are still going to do episode 100, and then... Uh, we're going to find out what's going on. J-Man said he may have some changes in his schedule coming up. So we may end up start doing Saturdays is when our show may end up going from now on. So it'll be a little different. I know we've moved days so many times now. I feel like we're actually now impact. We've moved the show like 17 times. You know, first we were Thursdays, then we were Tuesdays and now we might be Saturdays. And then we've done shows on Sundays. It's crazy, but we're trying to work it around because we believe we put out a good product. And for those of you that want to check us out or do check us out, we very much appreciate it. Here's where you can find our show. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public. That's the one I forgot the first time. CastBox and the Anchor app. This has been the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. For the J-Man, I'm Boss Ross. And we will catch you on the flip side.